Into the wild I'll go and into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Into the wild I'll go Into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom Imagine dancing under the stars, surrounded by your sisters, barefoot and free, completely immersed in the here and the now. Imagine a place where you can play, laugh, and howl under the big, bright moon. Here, you can let your guard down and come back to the essence of your wild womanhood. If you've never attended a woman-only event before, let me tell you, It's pure magic. And so, I am thrilled to announce that the third annual Matriarch Rising Festival will be taking place June 20th through the 25th in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. The Matriarch Rising Festival is an exclusive women-only event that cultivates a sanctuary for mothers, daughters, and sisters to celebrate womanhood year after year. Our mission is to preserve the practice of sharing women-to-women wisdom and inspire one another to claim ownership over ourselves as sovereign and spiritual beings. Beginning with our closely knit and welcoming staff, our core design of community is woven throughout the entire festival. Matriarch Rising Festival is a coming home to ourselves, a safe and playful arena for the wild-hearted woman to let her guard down, to find deep kinship, and return to her daily life renewed. Tickets are officially on sale, and they will sell out, so head over to matriarchrisingfestival.com for all of the details and to grab your ticket. See you there, my friends. Dr. Melissa Sell joins me on the show today for the second time, diving deeper into German new medicine. She touches on everything from tracks and resolutions to allergies, terrain theory, misconceptions, and more. We chat about her own personal evolution from rigidity and dogma to adaptation and flexibility, the intersection of personal responsibility and G&M, our shared pursuit of truth and the freedom it creates. I am thrilled to have Melissa joining us at Matriarch Rising Festival once again this summer and for her to share her genius and passion for GM and women's liberation through their own healing. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, me too. 
I think we have a, an interesting episode that is very much needed to piggyback your one from last season. So for anyone who isn't familiar with you yet or missed that awesome episode, you can, oh, I'm gonna sneeze. Ooh, maybe I'm not. Okay, um, you can <laughs> listen to that and find it on the last season. Um, but why don't I pitch it to you to just give us a really, really brief overview of who you are and um and just yeah a little bit about your work you know we're not going to spend too much time unpacking the basics of GNM since we already did that in a previous episode um yeah and then I'll get into some of my questions cool yeah awesome well I come from the background of being a chiropractor and I came across this amazing body of work uh discovered by Dr. Hammer called German New Medicine or Germanic Healing Knowledge or Germanische Heilkunde um, in 2017. And it just blew my mind and changed everything about the way that I work with myself, with people. And it is the understanding of this, this biological wisdom within the body that I always knew was present. But Dr. Hammer, based on his own personal tragedy of losing his 17-year-old son and subsequently developing testicular cancer, he mapped out specifically why issues that come out of nowhere. So, you know, there is there are a few exceptions. So when you're looking at the GNM model, poisoning, injury, and mal malnutrition, those are symptoms where it's like you have an injury and you have a symptom, obviously. You get poisoned and you automatically have symptoms. You know, those are pretty obvious connections, but these are symptoms that arise out of nowhere. Something like acne, like chronic pain. Um, you're, you're not sure, where did this come from? Why do I have this symptom? So Hammer discovered that there is a map, there is a reason, there are biological adaptations taking place. Psyche, brain, organ, your entire being is adapting to help you to survive something shocking, something that caught you off guard, something that you were not prepared for. So we found that cancer isn't an error. I used to think that cancer was an error due to poor nutrition, due to toxicity, and that the body was, you know, either the immune system was messed up and it wasn't keeping the cancer cells under control. I thought that there was an error taking place and we needed to clean the diet. We needed to detox. We needed to do all this stuff in order for the body to heal the cancer. But with Hammer's discovery, he saw that, no, it's not that there's something going wrong or that there's a toxicity or an error in the immune system. Actually, the body is building these cells for a particular reason. It's enhancing the tissue. Basically, the tissue is going into hyperfunction. So if a woman has breast gland cancer, it is the breast gland enhancing its ability to produce milk. If someone has lung cancer, it's enhancing the lung's ability to absorb oxygen. If they have colon cancer, it's enhancing the body's ability to break down and digest an indigestible morsel. So everything that the body is doing has a purpose, has a meaning. Everything from psoriasis to acne, to an ear infection, a urinary tract infection, cervical tissue adaptations, it all is meaningful. And so by understanding this map, by understanding this wisdom, it allows you to be free from fear. Because when something is going on in your body, most people go to fear. Oh no, what's wrong? What do I need to fix? But when you start seeing, no, the symptom is actually an indication of adaptation. So a sneeze indicates I had a stink conflict. Something was annoying. Something was frustrating. Something was, um, you know, I, I was annoyed, irritated. Something stunk to me. And the sneeze is the healing crisis. So something as little as that, you can start to see, oh, 
my body is always paying attention to everything going on in my environment. It's always picking up. That's what the psyche, the psyche isn't just your conscious mind. It's your entire being picking up on what's going on in your environment and your body is adapting to keep you safe. And that's kind of the big picture overview of this is learning how to decode what your symptoms indicate about your experience. Okay. Can we drill down on sneezing real quick? Yes. <laughs> because I sneeze a lot. <laughs> um, so it, is it always that, or can it just be like that there's something in my office I'm allergic to? So like are allergies real? So if something, if you're <laughs> allergic to something, what that indicates is at some point that something, whatever that is, was in your environment when you were annoyed or irritated, caught off guard. So you had to have had a conflict at some point about it. It's not that every time you sneeze, you're having a brand new conflict. It right. could just be a track. Hmm. So a, a track is when that's what an allergy is. It's a track. So you're not having that caught off guard because sometimes people, you know, and we want to talk a little bit today about misconceptions, you know, it's not that. So when you're having a symptom like a sneeze, that doesn't mean that you were caught off guard and isolated in this moment. What right. it indicates though, is you encountered something that reminded your body of a time when that did happen. Hmm. So the body is very wise. And what it does is when we have a conflict shock, it registers what's going on in the environment, smells, sounds, sights, people, it registers all of this and it logs it. And if you encounter that thing again, it automatically kind of presses that button and reactivates that program. And so you'll go pretty much immediately to the, the healing phase. You'll, um, you'll have an itchy, you know, you're like all of a sudden really, really itchy. Something flares up or you sneeze, you have this response and it's simply the body turning the program back on because you've encountered a reminder of that original situation. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Because it doesn't make sense that one person would let's say sneeze when there's dust and another wouldn't unless there was a tract that the one was on right because we do want to get into misconceptions today because you know i'm i'm exposed to a lot of uh wonderful women who are into the beginning learnings of gnm and like you know i've been around them where i sneeze and they're like mm, you're irritated <laughs> and i'm like okay <laughs> i mean I could probably find something that I'm irritated about at any given point. And I, I made this comment on the last episode with you that I'm, I'm seeing women kind of treat this like a horoscope where they like, they, they look up the, the conflict and then they find where it fits. But in this very, um, mm, what's the right word? It feels very superficial. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, one of the things I really hope to, to explore with you today is, is for everyone who has the training wheels on with this, which I think is most people exposed to this, this is pretty like new to burst into our consciousness right now. I would like to help kind of what is the next steps of taking those training wheels off of it and reframing some of the misconceptions. Um, but before we do that, actually, let's just keep going with the sneezing because I wanted to ask you about resolution and we didn't get to get into that too much in that last episode. So there's a conflict, a track gets created, and then what? Yeah, so there's a conflict, the track gets created, the body's continually reacting to the track. So one of the first things we can do is avoid our tracks. You know, so 
when you are embarking upon this work and you're trying to figure out and unravel your conflict, sometimes it's hard to remember the original conflict. The first, what's the first time I ever had this type of annoyance, this type of overwhelm, this type of shock that the thing that actually started the program. Because if you, you know, you think about it, you come into the world, um, you know, we can already have conflicts and, and programs start when we are in the womb. Um, and so there are things that are getting programmed in and your system is completely unique to you. Everything that's happened to you and the, the things that are um, programmed in, are your, that's your individual map. And so it can be a little difficult and people can sort of get overwhelmed with the idea of trying to figure it out. What was the original conflict? And even sometimes the psyche hides it from us. You know, with certain conflicts, there's actually memory loss. Separation conflicts, there's memory loss. It's a functional biological purpose of that type of program is to forget the person that you're missing or the person you want to separate from because it's going to help you to move on to forget about it and so when we're trying to unravel it and remember something it's almost like there's an I can't I can't get at it so what we do is we just start to observe you know and that's really the essence of this work is a self-observation and paying attention to what does trigger me? What does make me sneeze? What are these, these tracks, these reminders in my environment? You have to become a detective of your experience because you can't learn it just from the cookbook. You have to like get in the kitchen. <laughs> and so you're in the kitchen of your experience and you're seeing how you respond and react to certain things. And you might start to notice, oh, I you know, have a symptom when I eat this food. I have a symptom when I smell this thing. The first thing is you can avoid that. You know, avoidance of a track is a way to, you know, help to maintain not having symptoms. And that is a, a viable option, you know, but some people are like, I really want to resolve this track. I want to be able to eat this food. I want to be able to be around, you know, whatever. And so in that case, you have to try to unravel. What was the original conflict? A conflict is resolved. So what is a resolution? A conflict is resolved when it can't happen again, when what happened then cannot happen now. So an example of this often like with kids, they'll have allergies or asthma when they're a child. And then when they're a teen, when they're an adult, it's like, yeah, I used to have that, but I, I haven't had it in years. And that's because their conflict developed in the environment of their family home. And once they're grown up, once they have more autonomy, they're free, you know, once you're once you're out of your parents' house, you can't get grounded anymore. So if your stink conflict was, I can't go play with my friends because I got grounded because I didn't do the dishes, you know, that's only going to be a problem in your life until you are out on your own. Once you're out on your own and you're like, I can't be grounded, okay. that's when that conflict naturally resolves and falls away. So what if, what if it's something like with sneezing? Like, I obviously do not remember the first time I ever sneezed. Like how, if you, if you aren't going to be able to track your original conflict, what do you do then? So I would look at the theme of sneezing. So this is, again, this, I'm, I've had it up to here. My, my nose is full. This stinks. I'm annoyed. Watch your perception. What, like you said, you could probably scan and like, okay, how do I perceive things? If I sneeze really often, I am getting triggered. I'm getting tracked of, you know, of annoyance, of frustration, of being fed up. What can I do about that perception? Can I soften? Can I get more curious? What can I do? So, you know, and you have to experiment with this stuff because no one, I don't know what it's going to be for you to get off of this sneezing track, to not view things through the lens of annoyance or irritation. I'll just even notice 
either with myself or with my partner, like times where we're both sneezing a lot, where it's like tons of sneezing is happening. And, and I know he's a little annoyed. I'm a little annoyed. We're seeing things, we're seeing life through the lens of annoyance. And that is, it is a perceptual filter. It's something that I'm experiencing, but I don't have to be. So that's what I would do. And if you can't get back to the original, it's like, okay, if I had complete control over this, if mm -hmm. it was coming from something in my perception, how I'm perceiving my experience of reality, what would it be? And how can I soften? How can I shift that? Because a conflict is resolved when it can't happen again. So either that means I'm never going to experience annoying people or situations ever again, which how realistic is that? Or, <laughs> or I have changed so sufficiently where does, I couldn't be annoyed. You couldn't get me to it. Like I am, like my threshold is uh, like, I've just got so much space that like, <laughs> don't annoy me. May you I know? see today? <laughs> okay, so what about then the last thing that we can move on, but I'm thinking about, you know, I also imagine that on a very unconscious level, if I believe the story that I'm allergic to heaters, um, or I'm allergic to cats or dust, then unconsciously I am scanning my environment to prove that that's true. Oh yeah. Right. So yeah. like, I just came into my office and turned my heater on, didn't give it really any conscious thought, but then I started sneezing. Yeah. So if there's a, if you have a, if you have a perception, I'm allergic to cats. I, that was, I had a perception that I was allergic to artificial fragrances. After I learned about how toxic artificial fragrances are, every time I'd be in the grocery store and pass the detergent aisle, I'd sneeze. I'd be out on a walk and I could smell someone's like dryer sheets and their dryer kind of like billowing out into the neighborhood. And I would sneeze and I'd be like, I'm allergic to this toxic crap. Mm -hmm. But once I stopped telling that story that, you know, these perfumes, they're toxic, they're bad for me, they're destroying my, my neurons. <laughs> I, I stopped sneezing. It's like, oh, because there are people who are spraying Febreze and they've got blade plugins and they're doing all that and they love it. And they, they're not sneezing. They enjoy the chemical fragrances they're spraying in their home. So I don't know if their body enjoys it. Well, see, that's the thing is when you have that perception of it, like if you think it's toxic, if you have, think it's bad, if you're holding on to that perception about that mm -hmm. stuff, and yes, is are there physical things that are getting into that person's body that are less than ideal? And this well, is you said poison is a very real. I mean, I would classify that as poison, wouldn't you? Well, see, that's the thing. A poison would be that we every person responds to it in the same way. So, like, if right. everyone drinks Drano, everyone's going to vomit. If every, you know what I mean, like every there's. And that's where this, the, this toxicity story is kind of murky. Mm -hmm. And that's where people are like, well, is it, is it toxins accumulating in my body over time that's now shedding out of my skin? And that's why I have eczema or psoriasis. Mm -hmm. And I need to clean and detox all of this stuff from my body in order to get rid of the eczema. I would say no, because the, it, it, it's the immediate reaction. If you immediately, every time you, you know, you, every person who gets exposed to this chemical develops eczema, we would say, yes, that's a poison. If it was a consistent across the board, but because it's kind of random and especially things, again, the idea that it's accumulating over time and for you, it's, you know, manifesting as diarrhea for her, it's manifesting as, as eczema. That's where I want to look at the biological program. Yes. We want to maintain as clean of a diet and as natural and as, you know, close to how our, 
our biological ancestors, the lives that they were living. We want to do that. We don't want to bombard our body with toxicity. But this is the thing. The idea of accumulated toxins, at no point will accumulated toxins turn on a specific biological program that's going to uh, result in a rash on your right elbow. Because the rash on your right elbow has to do with a separation conflict if you're right-handed related to a partner that you want to hold close. You know, it's like, why here and not here? That for me, when it comes to the whole toxicity story, that's where the you know terrain theory crowd loses me because it, how can everything just be a, oh, it's a detox response, it's a detox response. It's like, well, why diarrhea? Why an, a pimple right here? How can you say that that's just a detox response when there's a whole map for understanding right hand, left hand, which side of the body, feeling attacked or feeling soiled? Does, why today and not yesterday? Why is it why is my detox response occurring right at this moment? And that's where the map of GNM makes more sense to me. Hmm. So terrain in and GNM are not um, like obviously compatible. I thought they were. Yeah, I know. They're not not exactly. And there's actually some, there's like a terrain group on Facebook that they like don't allow talk of GNM at all, which is kind of sketchy. But um, yeah, because the terrain is the idea that it's it's toxins. And oh, like I even got an email from someone today, you know, talking about, oh, if you have hemorrhoids, it's because of your liver. If you have skin problems, it's because of your liver. It's, you have to detox your liver in order to get rid of these health problems. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me, you know, because the liver has, and that's the thing is when you're looking at it from Hammer's perspective of he mapped out all of these tissues. So the third biological law, we're looking at the endoderm, the mesoderm, the ectoderm. These are the, the substrate tissue types that build all of our organs. They're controlled from certain areas of the, of the brain. They have a particular function. And so we have to look at the functionality of that particular uh, organ system in order to understand what it's doing. Like the dermis is going to thicken. You get a melanoma when you feel attacked or soiled. The body is developing a shield, a protective shield in order to protect you from whatever you're feeling attacked by or soiled by. And so something going on in your liver, you know, the idea that there's backed up toxins in my liver and that's manifesting as acne or melanoma doesn't make sense. There, as far as a biological mechanism, Palmer's biological mechanism for, oh, a person felt soiled right here because they ate a piece of pizza and the, I used to get, you know, like acne spots here from eating pizza. Was it the, was it the greasy pizza? Was it the inflammatory oils? No, it was feeling soiled, feeling gross because I got grease on my face and my body built a shield to protect me from the soiling that I experienced. And then once I, you know, napkin wiped, you know, finished the piece of pizza, my, the body started breaking that uh, that extra cell layer down. And that was what the little pimple bump is, is the breakdown of the shield my body built to protect me. So I don't see how that has anything to do with what my liver is up to. The liver has a specific function as well. There is a starvation conflict. When we experience a starvation conflict, the liver parenchyma enhances itself. So it's better able to absorb food. So every bite of food if you've got more liver tissue, you're able to extract more nutrients from that food, absorb more. And so that is what causes, you know, uh, the liver to ad adapt or it's the liver ducts. And that has to do with territorial anger or an identity conflict. The liver bile ducts will erode and widen in order for more, um, for us to have more blood flow in that area. So it's like, or bile flow. So it's like every tissue system has its own thing that it does. 
And when you look at what that system is doing and you trace it back to the conflict shock that occurred in order for this tissue to, um, for the program to activate to adapt those tissues, that's the system. This system makes way more sense to me than any of the other ones out there. If those ones made more sense to me, that's what I'd be teaching about. But it's like logically, biologically, this system is consistent. I've seen it like uh, be confirmed again and again and again and again. So that's why this is the one that I teach about. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then let's move right into misconceptions because you have been a voice of this work now for a while and, and, you know, the only leader in it that I'm aware of, maybe there's others, I'm sure. Um, and so from your position as a leader in this work, what are you seeing as, yeah, the most common misconceptions, misunderstandings, um, ways it's being weaponized or, yeah, I'd like to just hear what you're seen out there that might be worth naming? I think the main issue is people just don't go deep enough into it. They have a cursory, just kind of overview idea. And they're like, yeah, yeah, Louise, hey, you know, the mind-body connection, that makes sense to me. And they're, they're not like really studying the work. And that's the thing is this has to be like personal knowledge for you as an individual. This is your map. This is your body. Like the, even when you're looking at like the conflict themes and yes, like the themes are very accurate. They, they are the reason that the tissues adapt, but you have to look at what does this mean for me? You know, and if you disregard it too soon or you don't look long enough, you know, that's one of the things is people don't look and study and observe themselves long enough. They want a quick fix. They want to, you know, wave a wand. They want to do a thing and, and, and get the symptom gone. And this system isn't about, you know, getting rid of every symptom. It's about understanding deeply your own biology, understanding deeply your own psyche. Really, it is, I think, the most expansive tool for personal growth available because it shows you exactly what your hot button points are, exactly the thing that you you aren't digesting, that you aren't, you know, you're not feeling connected. And it is leading you back to your biological truth, you know, and that is our biological code that came with these, these, these bodies. We're living, you know, your symptoms are pointing you to where you're out of alignment with your biological wisdom, with, you know, how your system has developed, you know, so if you're having reproductive issues, we have to look at, okay, well, what's going on with the relationships in your life? Where are you splitting your energy? Where are you focused more? You know, if you want to have children and you're also, you know, working full-time, it's like, okay, we have to look at, I mean, a lot of times people don't want to look at those inconsistencies. We want to be able to keep living our unnatural life and get the results of, of healing um, without making those changes. So I think it's kind of in incomplete understanding, a non-depth, like kind of having a, a thin layer overview of understanding what what's going on, but not like going deep into what does this mean? What are the logical consequences of this being true? Um, yeah, and, and and yeah, looking for things to to fix me, to to do the work for me rather than doing the work for myself. Yeah. So then, how does this tie into? I mean, it's kind of obvious some of it because you just kind of spoke to it, but I'm thinking about you know the underpinnings of self responsibility and having the tools of self inquiry. Um, you know, I think I think I observe a lot of women think that they're doing that um, from an intellectual standpoint, but I certainly wouldn't say it's an embodied walking the walk understanding. Um, and I think it's, it's also what you're pointing to this like cursory understanding 
of concepts, which is just the beginning, right? To actually embody these, um, these concepts of self-responsibility and, and the tools in which to actually enact it on a regular basis or to come back into alignment when we're out as we always fall out. Um, yeah, I just, I know that with your platform, I see you post a lot of very similar stuff that I talk about as well, but in this whole different field, which is exciting for me to see another woman um, really teaching on these concepts of self-responsibility. Yeah, I just would like to hear you kind of tie that together a bit of how that looks both in your work, in your relationship to GNM, um, and in your own life. Yeah, and that was actually what got me into this work was the the self-awareness um, you know, because I don't think you can take responsibility until you're aware of where you're not taking responsibility, you know, and so um, in order to really be self-responsible, I have to be aware of where I have, you know, given my power away, where I'm waiting for the outside world to change. I'm waiting for my partner to do the thing. I'm waiting for, you know, the, the government, the world to change until I change. And it's, it really is, it's seeing, hmm, I have to make the first move, even if you know, I've had trauma and it is, we all have trauma. We have things that happened to us that disempowered us, that made us feel stuck, that made us feel small, that made us feel devalued. And our, you know, in our psyche, we're running off those same programs. And so I have to see, oh, this, this chronic pain or this tooth issue or this skin issue, it is coming from something that happened early in my life. And at that time, I didn't have power at that time. I didn't have autonomy at that time. I wasn't free. You know, so it made sense for my body to adapt in that way, but there's some way in which I'm continuing to live out that story. Mm -hmm. And so I have to see where am I still, you know, giving my power away? Where am I still living in fear? Where have I not fully stepped into? Um, if it is to be, it's, it's up to me, you know, like I, I, I get to change it. And so that I think is a, one of the really, again, cool things about this work is if there's something that's unresolved in my physiology, in my adaptations, my body is adapting, even though I'm out of that environment, something, there hasn't been a connection. And that's the cool thing, again, back to the, the whole notion of resolution, it is, it's bringing it out of the subconscious and into the conscious. It's seeing, how did I feel stuck? How was I feeling alone? How did I feel isolated in that moment? What, you know, what could have been, if I had someone to talk to, if I had like, you know, someone to support me. And so I felt seen a big um, component of a conflict shock is feeling isolated. I'm all alone in this problem. Literally nobody understands me. Nobody can help me. And understanding yourself at that moment in time and why you had that perception, but then also now seeing, oh, that's not true for me anymore. That is what can resolve a conflict. That's not true for me anymore. What happened then cannot happen now, either because I'm out of the situation, the person who did that to me is long gone or dead, um, or I've just changed so much that I see that thing that happened to me mm -hmm. through this lens of love and compassion and growth. And I know that it, what, it didn't happen to destroy me. It happened so I could become stronger. That whole notion of being anti-fragile that everything that's ever happened to me has reinforced me and made me stronger and more adaptable and better able to withstand, you know, and that's the thing is really it, every conflict and in nature, this is what it is. You have a conflict, something happens and you resolve it. And so you, you have this, this tool, this tool to use on your journey. And so the next time you encounter something similar, you're like, oh, I've resolved this before I can do it again. And we want to be doing that instead of living in loops. And the only way you can live in the loop is if you're unconscious, if you can't see 
how you are consenting to the idea. I'm powerless. There's nothing I can do. I'm broken. You know, and that's why the, really the first place I start with uh, people that I'm working with is how are you responding to your symptoms? What is the story that you're telling about your symptoms? You know, if you're resisting it, if you're afraid of it, if you're depressed because you're like, I thought I fixed this and I thought I had gotten through this. If you keep telling that story, you know, we, that's where we can start to downgrade. This is okay. It's okay that this is happening. It's okay. I haven't figured this out yet. You know, you have to work with whatever you got, <laughs> work with what you're working with, you know? And so for me, that is, you know, I just have to look at what's still um, triggering me, what still makes me feel this or that way. It allows me to tell that story. Am I aware? Oh, I'm telling that old story again. Oh, that's right. That story causes those certain tissue adaptations in my body. Can I make sense in this moment about, of not telling that story? Do I have, you know, the, the freedom of thought, the freedom of mind to, to change how I view this situation and not let circumstances dictate how I feel? Because that ultimately, when it comes to conflict, right. it's like it comes down to fear and it comes down to, I think that the outside world has more power over me than I do. And of course, you're going to feel powerless. Of course, your body's like, okay, what can I adapt to help you to get yeah. out of this? You poor little animal who's stuck in a you know bad situation. And that's all your body is doing. And so when I take that conscious control and I start leading myself to greater peace, to greater self-understanding, to better relationships and better communication and not letting the patterns of my past control how I interact with my world. That's how we, that's how we do this thing. And that's where, you know, this work is so deep. It, it does take devotion. I have to be devoted to my awareness. I have to be devoted to my, uh, my responsibility. I have to be devoted to understanding. And so rather than throwing in the towel or saying it doesn't work because I didn't get rid of my symptom the first time I tried, you know, that is, you know, that's not what this is about. This is a deep life. It's a lifelong process. This isn't ever going to go away. And there's, you know, there's something in that, that is like the, the snowball down the hill that the more you do it, 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 it gets more fun and more playful, the feedback loop of freedom, of increasing joy, of raising your thermostat setting. And I think a lot of what you just said is, is really just honing in on the commitment to be a victim. It's almost always an unconscious commitment because as soon as it becomes conscious, there's space, right? As soon as you can see that you're doing it. Um, so where did you learn the framework of this language and this, because like for me, it's from the conscious leadership group, the 15 commitments of conscious leadership. And we use a lot of the same concepts and language. And I've always wondered where, is it only through GNM or like, have you studied under or read other stuff that, that put together this self-responsibility framework for you? So the framework actually, so prior to even finding GNM, my partner and I, um, we kind of embarked on this journey. You know, we were in chiropractic school and graduated and I started working in chiropractic and my partner really started kind of going deep into consciousness. And so we started meditating, you know, we, there were a lot of issues that I was, you know, unconsciously creating in our, in our like interpersonal romantic dynamic of uh, creating fights unconsciously. And like, I, I was, I had no idea that because I grew up in a certain family environment that I was addicted to having problems and then making up and having problems and making and creating problems so we could make up. And, and I didn't see that I was doing that. And so one day he was just like, you know, I really like you. I really want to be with you, but um, I'm not interested in a life of constant habitual ritualistic fighting. And it was like, very confronting for me, but also very interesting. And so, you know, because 
prior to that, I was very dogmatic, very, you know, I was, I was religious in every way. I was, you know, kind of a hardcore evangelical and I was hardcore about everything in chiropractic. Wait, wait, you were a hardcore evangelical, like Hard, yes, hardcore, oh my God. hardcore. Um, and so that was, I thought I knew everything. I thought I knew everything about health because like chiropractic, even, you know, you can yeah. get into really deep dogma around like, I know everything there is to know yeah. about health and nutrition and God. And so I, oh. I had this certain kind of way where I just miss my way or the highway. And I like, I thought I knew all the things and, you know, it was through this evolution of my relationship with my partner and the things that, you know, we started to study together, you know, like Alan Watts was really big for me, just in kind of like opening my mind and my consciousness and meditation. And, um, and so he started, actually, we developed a course called, it's called um, the Ever Better Life course. We now teach it through awareness school, which is, you know, he's kind of, my, my partner is very special <laughs> and he's got a very like interesting mind and a very interesting way of kind of unraveling concepts and putting them together and teaching them. So that's where kind of the language of this, the consciousness, awareness, responsibility, conscious choice kind of comes from the journey that we went on together, where we kind of got away from the chiropractic work and away from the behavioral modification, you know, because that was my work I was eat this, don't eat that, use these products, not these ones, get these adjustments, do this exercise, do all this physical, external life, healthy lifestyle stuff. And I was like, this is what's going to save you. This is what's going to, you know, prevent you from ever getting cancer. But then I started seeing people had these emotional patterns. I saw I, if you followed me around for a day, you'd say, this is the healthiest girl ever. She, you know, she wakes up early and she exercises and she eats perfectly and she does all these things. But inside I had Sunday night anxiety. I was hmm. stewing up problems with my partner constantly. There was stuff going on behind the scenes that if you just saw what I did on the external, you would never know about. And that's where I was like, mm, there's some, something going on back here that's more important than the physical outside stuff. So that's where we started kind of turning, um, turning things around in the way that we personally operated. And then when I found the work of Hammer in 2017, I was like, oh, this is, this is all of the things that I'm, I've been teaching and getting into is like consciousness and perception and how I'm viewing my, but now I'm seeing the direct connection between my perception and the physiological adaptations in my body. And that by being aware of my perception, oh, if I see things through the lens of abandonment, because I had abandonment, you know, people by my mother and when I was a child, I'm going to continue seeing things through the lens of abandonment. But now that I'm conscious of that, I don't have to see it that way anymore. I can take personal responsibility. I can change that story and I can understand those deep down feelings that, you know, I get, oh, I got, oh, I just got triggered. I'm feeling abandoned. But if I can see that and I know I'm not actually abandoned because I, I'm never going to abandon myself. And that's the most important relationship is between me and me. So that's, that's kind of how that evolution happened. Okay. And we got to go back to two quick things. So love the emotional intelligence of your partner love him being able to throw that to you and, and, you know, call you out in the most beautiful way. That's so cool. Um, oh, side note. Do you think he looks like Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Oh my gosh. People think he looks like, um, the guy from <laughs> Dawson's Creek. People say he looks like him. He's gotten a lot Wait, of James Vanderbeek. Yes. And he actually does like, it's like different coloring, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> People say a lot of different photos of him, and I'm like, it looks like that Joseph Gordon Levitt guy. Um, Okay, so you grew up, I'm assuming, in an evangelical Christian household. And Mm. how old were you when you jumped ship from that ideology? 
around 25. Okay. Which was how long ago? 10 years ago. Okay. Wow. That's a really interesting piece. <laughs> your story. Wow. Amazing. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Awesome. So I'm curious, we can wrap soon, but I'm, I had a couple more questions I want to ask you. I'm, I'm curious on a personal level, what it's been like for you to have a platform around self-responsibility fundamentally and what, yeah, like what, what is it, is it, well, this is kind of going to undermine the entire point. I was going to say, is it hard? But you can choose if it's hard or not. Like, what's it like for you? What is the journey of your platform growing and speaking on these issues and teaching on these issues and being a real inspiration for people? And also, um, I would imagine that some people lose their fucking minds when you say cancer is, um, you know, this or that that you were saying earlier. Like, what's, what's it like for you to hold this movement? It's been natural for me, honestly. It just it just makes sense to me. And as it's grown, it's I think it's just really cool for people to come into contact with these ideas. And I really, I don't know if it's just my vibe. I just attract people who are ready to hear it and that are like, oh, this resonates, this makes sense to me. It's like it's work and I and I see the areas that I I need it. I see the areas where I'm not in alignment with it. But so I feel like I, for whatever reason, the people that have been drawn to me and what I teach are like ready for it. And only occasionally have I run into some issues with, you know, people who uh, violently reject it or like, you know, every so often there'll be a certain post on like Twitter or Facebook. Like I have the worst Facebook reviews ever <laughs> because I'll share something and then that'll get shared to some group and, mm -hmm. you know, people will just kind of dogpile on, oh, you're not a doctor, blah, 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 blah. But um, yeah. For, you literally I, are. Yeah. <laughs> well, not... <laughs> chiropractors are not really doctors, according to some people. But um, yeah, I just, I think that the, the, the platform and the growth and the, I, I just feel like it's part of my archetype to get this out there. And the more people, like when I get, like come up against resistance, there's like this creative thing that happens within me. And it's actually, it always helps me. So mm -hmm. I, I see every obstacle and that's part of this consciousness work where I can, any obstacle is transmutable. I can use this. Oh, this yeah. is actually great. This is this is wonderful for me to create content. Like I yeah 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 totally. The trolls give you the best content ideas. <laughs> exactly. And so it's like okay, I can use this, and I, and that's what I love is I you know that that's the energy, that's the vibe, mm -hmm. that's it's all about adaptability, and it all totally. kind of comes back to the GNM stuff. Is if I can adapt, if I can adapt, if I can mold, if I'm not rigid, because that's you know back in right. my old ideology, I was very rigid. It was this way, and when anything came up against it that just like made me uncomfortable, I would, you know, kind of over overload and, and, and explode in a way that was like, okay, your ideology isn't solid, but you know, with, with the GNM work, even it's like, I, I want to be totally open to what if I find something out that makes this, you know, no longer relevant. It's like, okay, right. that's fine. Like I, I have, you know, well, put the pursuit of truth. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's being smart. open to that constant yeah. pursuit of truth, what makes the most sense to me. And that's the thing is this just makes the most sense to me, which is why I speak about it. And I speak about it loudly because I think that it is in the most alignment with what's actually true. And it, I've seen it be true again and again. That's the thing about reproducibility and why Hammer said these are biological laws because there were never any exceptions to it operating in this way. If someone has a tumor um, you know, at this area, they always have an impact in their brain and they always experience a specific shock. 
always 100% of the time. He wouldn't write it in his literature if it wasn't consistently reproducible. And that's that has the highest standard for me as far as scientific reproducibility over any other theory that is out there. You know, when it comes to toxins, when it comes to detox and terrain and all that stuff, it's sometimes some people respond in this way to this thing part of the time, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's not reproducible. And so, um, well, it sounds like you found the keys to your mind. Yeah. You know, right. Like the keys to your queendom. Yeah. Yeah. Adaptability and transmutability. Right. Yeah, yeah totally. A question that, that has just given me so much, uh, fruitfulness in my life is, and I particularly use it when there's something perceived as bad is happening, um, you know, to me is the question, how is this for me? And just that, just that willingness to see how it might be for me is so quickly a 180, you know, of consciousness that has to, you know, it really on a daily basis is, wow, carries a lot of gifts. Yeah. yeah. yeah just having a few power statements, right. you know, some what's, what's the question I need to ask myself right now to change everything about the situation. And there's, and that's the thing is trusting that there's one thought that could unravel uh, a lifetime worth of conflicts. It's like, I could, I could have that thought today. So how open are you? Are you desperately searching? What's it going to be? How can I fix this? Ugh, yeah. Like, what are your go-to quick questions? Frantic place. Yeah. Like something like how, you know, how can I grow from this? You know, these are two like classic Tony Robbins. What's great about this? What can I learn from this? What, you know, like how I want to see something I haven't seen before and just asking and having more space for openness. It's not about a frantic searching. I need to grab that thought. I need to, you know, cause sometimes people will hear, this is another thing that people do with the GNM work is they start hearing that conflicts, um, cause tissue adaptations. And then they start worrying about worrying or panicking about panicking, totally. being anxious about being anxious. And that's where you got to be able to zoom out. You've got to be able to see that doesn't work. This is, you know, this, just because I now know you want to, uh, as my partner says, you want to grab the tool by the handle, not the blade, you know, mm -hmm. so you can use it to harm yourself. You can use the idea to say, oh no, this is a problem. And it's a problem. And it's a problem. And now I'm going to have cancer, you know, and get really freaked out about it. But if you can just slow down and say, huh, this is a wonderful map for understanding how my body works. I haven't fully figured it out yet. You know, I, I don't have all of the details. I, I don't see all of the things that are going on in my psyche, but that's okay. It's okay. Okayness, you know, it's okay that I'm dealing with this. It's okay that this is happening. It's okay that I haven't figured this out yet. I'm, it's okay that I'm as far along as I am and not further. That to me is like a big downgrade, you know, and that's the thing we want to be downgrading our conflicts. Even if we haven't fully gotten to the point of resolution downgrading and how do you downgrade by speaking to yourself in a comforting, supportive, encouraging way that is, this is okay. We can work with this. You know, my body is just responding to its experience, either of something that happened in the past or something that's reminding me now, this is okay. What if, what if by feeling more okay right now, I could have an idea or a thought that could unravel this whole thing. Just that notion is really exciting, isn't it? That like you could have a thought today and I just want to have times where I'm not frantically, you know, 
thinking. I, I want to have times when I'm not just like searching for answers and listening to things constantly. You know, like if you're a kind of person who's like constantly taking in information on 2x speed in order to like figure out all of your problems, maybe you need some time in nature with no input and allow that answer to land because it really is about ultimately connection with source you know, source and consciousness rises above all of this biological stuff. The biological stuff is super cool. And it's a map for understanding the reality in which we find ourselves. But above all of it is consciousness. You know, I, I believe that biology has arisen out of consciousness, not that consciousness has come from biology. You know, that's, a, that's kind of a fundamental, you know, um, big picture existential thing that you need to kind of explore for yourself. Do I believe that my consciousness is simply the result of my biology or that consciousness is what has manifested biology. That's a big one. Um, and when you get to the point where you kind of are really locked into consciousness creates biology, then you just, you, you get really in tune with consciousness, with source, with, you know, your own inner connection. And, you know, where am I disconnected? Where am I feeling like I'm a, you know, um, what does Alan Watts say? A, a bag of skin, just kind of floating in this universe, like by alone, disconnected. So what is a separation conflict? A separation from source. It's feeling like I don't have the contact that I need, you know, and it started when you were a baby and you're, you know, maybe you had a traumatic birth and that kind of set that program of I'm alone in this scary ass world and my mother's not there to support me and everything's scary and terrifying. And so that maybe was your introduction to this place, you know, but you can grow through that too. And you can use that as, you know, as a, as a trampoline and the, the deeper down you went, the better that you can, you know, uh, just your trajectory, you can move yourself into a completely different realm from what you've experienced in the past, just by choosing to tell a different story around the things that happened to you. Like you're not limited by anything other than ideas. Mm -hmm. And believing that they're true. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> totally. Do you know your Enneagram? I actually don't know that one. I think what? I've looked before. I, I, Girlfriend. Maybe a three, maybe a three, maybe. <laughs> Retriever. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, you got it. You got to take it before the festival so you can tell me. Okay, I will. I love the Enneagram. Okay, so let's wrap with a final question. What is just like lighting you up right now about this work, about your life? Um, you know, you're going to be at the festival again. Uh, which for me, I'm really excited that you're coming. Yeah. So just what is lighting you up and what is some of that that you're going to be bringing to the festival this summer? Oh, yes. I'm so excited. Last year was amazing. And I was very delighted to be invited back again. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that. I, I, every time, you know, a person, I got an email and it was someone I not someone I worked with, someone that listened to a podcast and sent this email about a healing crisis um, that she went through where it was like, you know, a whole thing that she went through. And, and then there was blood in the toilet and there was a hemorrhoid that was in he all of this stuff. And she's like, oh, <laughs> she said there was so much blood. And she's like, I would have, you know, if I didn't know this, I would have freaked out, but she knew there was a conflict and it was, and she knew how long it had gone on for, and she was prepared for it. And so when it happened, she didn't freak out. She's like, this makes sense. Oh, it's a lot of blood, <laughs> but this makes perfect sense. And that for me, really, I just love people coming across this information. And that's why I share, you know, um, there, I was so kind of offended that I had never heard of this prior to 2017. <laughs> I was like, 
Why isn't everyone and their mother talking about this work? Um, you know, because I just think it is so vital for a person just to know, oh, I don't need to freak out about this. Oh yeah, I had that conflict. It was going on. Oh, apparently this is how my body perceived it. <laughs> and I've got a, a ble blood means healing. Blood means when I'm bleeding, when I have a nosebleed, when there's blood in the toilet, it means that there the body is going through a healing phase. And so that it, that information, I just think is so vital for humans to know. So I love when the humans find that out and then the humans don't freak out about their symptoms. That's like really lights me up. <laughs> that should be a hoodie that you make. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, anything else you want to add or share before we wrap today? Mm, um, yeah, study, study, learn. Um, I teach a class on Mondays called the language of adaptation. And it's really, it's just, if you want to understand this better, we go through a different organ system every week. I describe it in the way that I understand it, in the way that you know makes sense to me. So I help you to kind of grasp it. Um, if the the material, like the learning GNM site or this poster, if that's like, okay, I don't, you know, I don't really understand all of that or don't have a biology background or something like that. If you really want to kind of understand it, you're welcome to ask questions in there. Um, there's a whole uh, self-study seminars that I really, really recommend. Um, you can go through, you know, the, there's a new course that just came out from the Pilhar Academy. There's a lot of different avenues for you to learn this, but like, just learn a little bit every day. You know, this is, it can't be something that the doc, and, and that's the thing is the language of, you know, the doctor, the doctor speaks in Latin and it says, oh, you have idiopathic arthritis. And it's like, okay, this is, you don't know where this joint inflammation came from. So we need to kind of demystify. That's the thing about religion and medicine is they use complex language that the average oh, wow. person does doesn't understand. And that's how they maintain this hierarchy of the person outside of you that tells you what's going on with your body. That's why any dynamic where you go in, and I mean, obviously this is like your world of going in and someone looking at your body or telling you what's going on with your baby or telling you what's going on with this or that, you're in this position of, they know something I don't. They have access to information that I don't. I am in danger. I need to listen to the authority. So really looking at your kind of the dynamics of what you feel about authority, you know, even looking at, you know, me, I'm not an authority. I'm not an authority on your body. I simply, you know, share, I want to reflect to you how you become the authority on your body so that you know when there's blood in the toilet, not because someone, you know, on a podcast said, oh, don't be afraid. It's because you understand my body is adapting for my greatest benefit. I understand that when I have a territorial anger conflict or an identity conflict, this particular tissue adapts and then it heals. And during the healing phase, there's pain, there's inflammation, there's bleeding. And I get that. I need to personally understand that because as long as it's information that someone else has and knows, and you only know it on theory rather than through personal experiential reference points, you're, you know, you're, you're just wobbly and you're vulnerable to someone coming along with a little more authority who says you're doing that wrong, or you're, you're in trouble, or this is dangerous, or you're being irresponsible. <gasps> You know, like someone, you couldn't say that to me because I know so certainly about how my tissues work. But if I was, you know, not feeling as confident about that, that's where you become vulnerable to, again, the thoughts of others and authority, somebody outside of you that's saying, this is the right way you're being irresponsible. How would that feel to you? Like, just test yourself. How confident do I feel in my, in my choices and how I'm, you know, birthing my baby and how I'm, you know, doing my life. 
um, looking at those dynamics is so, so important. And that's why the knowledge is what sets you free from the fear. If you don't have the knowledge, the fear is still kind of there. But when you have the understanding and this wisdom about physiological birth and specifically like what happens about tissue adaptations um, in response to conflict shock and specifically what happens is like, we're right on track. This is perfectly normal and understandable and no, no reason to panic. We just have to stay out of that panic because panic is what accelerates all, all problems. All health adaptations are accelerated by fear and panic. But the only way you can overcome that fear and that panic is by knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding, you know? And so it doesn't necessarily mean just paper understanding. It is, you don't need to, like ancient people didn't have this map. They didn't have this poster. They didn't have all these words. They just knew, you know? So it's not that you need like, oh, I need to squeeze my brain, intellectual understanding. What are all of these words? Like you can get to that like innate understanding and trust of your body without- It's not a heady thing. Even being able to read. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it seems like in the overcomplicated, you know, space we're in today, people have to use the intellect to get down into it. But you could also just go like live in the woods for a couple of days, and you'll probably find it. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's what I love. Sister Morningstar said recently on one of my podcasts. She said, "You know, women ask me all the time about how to birth wild, and I just say, go poop in the woods." <laughs> Like just poop in the woods every day of your pregnancy and you'll figure it out. I love that. that is, yeah, All love right. That. So we will put your links and stuff in the, in the show notes. Um, and yeah, thank you. I can't wait to see you at the festival and see what you're going to bring for us this year. And yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was super fun and I can't wait for the festival. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one -on -one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honoured. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralysing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts. Keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly and bring.